to participate tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Renewing the mind. My goodness, we hear that a lot around here. Session, session six, if I can say it. Renewing the mind. So again, as we've been walking through this study, this study um, is freedom in Christ. And the hope that we as Christians can have in the newness of life in Christ. And we started in the beginning having basically the gospel presented to us. Reminding us of the importance of the gospel. And why we needed Jesus. Why we need a Savior. And all that he accomplished for us. He came to reconcile us back to God. That we don't have to continue to live, as you've heard me say over these past weeks, the product of the fall. We don't have to keep continue to live because the consequences of the fall. We don't have to continue to live in our sinful nature. You know, the very nature which we were born into. No, when we come to Christ, we are born again. We are restored. Even if we don't feel it. Even if we like, well, no, I still have these issues. I still have that issues. The thing is, is that those issues do no longer have to define you because those issues are the product of the fall. They affected you before Christ. In Christ, you're whole. You don't have to continue to be affected by them. In Christ, you can learn how to live a victorious life. Remember, Jesus says that I've come to give you life and life in abundance. Life in the, to the full. And each day we should be experiencing that. Each day, no matter our circumstances, like that one song said, no matter the mountains that are in front of us or the valleys we're walking through, God is for us and the Word of God says, so who can be against us? In Christ we have the victory. And so then from presenting the good news, we've gone step by step. As you're born again, and then we understood of the new identity. And we took a look at what that was. And as we're growing in this new identity, it's a walk of faith. And we talked about what faith was. And from there, walking by faith, our worldview begins to change. We're no longer attracted to the things we were attracted to before. We're no longer seeking the temporal things of life to fill us because we've already found the one who makes us whole. So we're not living for ourselves any longer. We're not living to seek to just please ourselves and to gratify ourselves. No, we're living to please God. We're living to live for God. And so our worldview is changing. We're not going to look and act like the world, those who are lost. And we're certainly not going to be angry at the world as Christians. And you've heard me say before, I don't know why the church is so angry at the world. They're not our enemy. They're against us. They're against our message. But they were the same against Christ, Jesus. They didn't receive him. They rejected him. They despised him. They sped upon him. They tore his body to pieces. They beat him down to where he was barely even, couldn't even be recognized. And they nailed him to a cross. Buried him. Thinking they'd done away with him. But Sunday came. He rose from the grave. 
He gathered his disciples back together. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. They went out and carried this message that has been carrying on and on and on and on for thousands of years. This earth has been turned upside down with this message. People's lives are changing. There are still people today who are facing great intense persecution for believing in Jesus. We're not like the world. So the world doesn't like us, but we're not to be angry at the world. We're to go out into the world, not to be of it, but in it, so that they will know that there's hope in Christ. Our worldview changes. We're not living for the temporalness of life any longer. And in that, we begin to live by the Spirit. We begin to realize that, hey, this walk, this life that we're living now can't be lived by my doing or your doing. We have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit daily. We have to, you know, seek Him. He has been given to us as our counselor, as our comforter, as our teacher. And remember, the Word of God says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't grieve Him. This is a lifestyle, you all. It's just, we're not doing it because now all because we're in church. No, you, you are the church. It's every day. It's 24-7. It's everything and everything about you. Because your life now is dependent. You know, Paul even tells the church, why are you trying to live out in the flesh what you received in the Spirit? It can't be done. And we see a lot of Christians trying to live this out in the flesh, and it dishonors God. This life has to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And as you're dependent upon the Holy Spirit, as you're learning and as you're growing and as you're maturing, your mind is starting to be renewed. And that's where we're at tonight. This growth, this this maturing in our Christian walk of allowing Him to renew our minds. Because remember what the Bible says. How does He transform us? He gives us the answer in Romans by changing the way we think, by renewing our minds. Because we're not thinking upon the same things anymore. We're taking thoughts captive that are opposite to God's truth. We're not believing them. And we're bringing them into the obedience of His Lordship. We're taking that thought, take every thought captive, you all, that is contrary to His truth and say, that's a lie and bring it into the obedience of His Lordship, begin to declare His truth against that lie. Because you don't want to give the enemy a foothold. The Bible says if you give the enemy just a foothold, he'll develop a stronghold. And the strongholds are those patterns of thought that you begin to believe that are contrary to God's truth. And that's how the enemy wins. Because we give him that. We start believing the lie. We start going back and acting like as if we're the product of the fall. Oh, but let us not go back. Let us be diligent to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. Let us be diligent to really seek Him. Because the Word of God says if we, if we seek Him, we'll find Him. If we seek Him with our whole heart. So we left off here on page 32, the big question. Before this section... Session, consider the following question. Since you are a new creation in Christ, why do you still struggle with the same old thoughts and habits? 
Anyone want to answer that? No, we're s still in the same world. We're still in the fallen world. And we have... It took us a while to get to where we were before Christ came into our lives. So, you know, I mean, sometimes there's some and suddenlies, but a lot of times it's, you know, that whole process of renewing your mind and reminding yourself of God's truth and not listening to the lie of the enemy. And just like, you know, practicing self-control is like a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it's going to be. Amen. I said that we have a carnal flesh nature that is always at war with our spirit, and we must submit to it daily and die to the flesh. So basically, the reason that we still struggle with the same old thoughts and habits is because there are, our carnal flesh nature is always going to be there. We just basically, the Bible says, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. That carnal nature is never going to go away. You just have to choose to die to it daily. And that's a key point. What are you all pointing out? You building me brought up the renewing of the mind when you talk about dying to the flesh. Yeah, these thoughts, if, if these struggles, these same old thoughts and habits, if we're not dying to ourselves daily, if we're not renewing our mind, if we're still living as the product of the fall, if we're still allowing strongholds to torment us, to consume us, then we're just going to keep living out the same way. But that's not what a believer is called to live out of. Because you have been given a new nature. You're born again of the Spirit. So if old habits and old thoughts are still ruling, it's because you're still thinking on them. You're still giving them some type of priority in your life. You're still being consumed by them as they taunt you or present themselves to you. And so we have to learn, as we're learning tonight, is to be able to take those thoughts captive, to die to ourselves daily. Remember the call of a disciple. To pick up your cross, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow Him. Daily. You don't have to be ruled any longer by old habits. You don't have to be ruled any longer by old patterns of thoughts. You're going to be ruled by something, and you're going to be ruled by what you give yourself to. And we're called to surrender our lives to Christ. And so if you find yourselves in old habits and old thoughts, don't beat yourself up. Don't find yourself in condemnation and shame and guilt. Know what you recognize is these are the areas that you need to get before the Lord and allow Him to work it through you and work it out of you. The more that you surrender, the more that you renew your mind, the more that you realize, hey, I still live in this fallen world. Hey, I still have this sin nature that's warring against everything that God is doing in me. That I need to be an active participant in what God is doing in, doing in me. And I need to learn how to take my thoughts captive. I need to learn how to allow Him to renew my mind. And so Ariana, look at Second Corinthians right there, um, verses. I mean, chapter ten, verse three through five, and read that nice aloud for me. For though we walk in the flesh, 
we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. All right, so it says, when we come into this world, we have neither the presence of God in our lives nor the knowledge of his ways. So we learn how to live our lives independently of God. In order to grow, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Yvette, could you read that little paragraph there, renewing the mind? Mm -hmm. We are no longer slaves to sin. Because we are born servants to, of Christ. So then, if this is true, and it is, why don't we feel much different from the way we felt before we received Christ, and why are we still struggling with the same issues we struggled with before we became Christians? And Alexis, if you could read the next section for us. The mental strongholds are sometimes called flesh patterns and are very similar in concept to what psychologists call defense mechanisms. Our temperaments have been shaped by mental strongholds. It will take time to renew our minds and to replace the lies we have believed with the truth of God's word. Most of our pre-Christian attitudes have values, and values have been assimilated from our environment into roots. All right, A and B, Gilda, can you take those? Sure. Prevailing experiences. A major part of programming of our worldview and attitudes took place in our early childhood through prevailing experiences. For example, families we were raised in, the churches we attended or didn't attend, in the neighborhood and communities we grew up in, the friends that we had or didn't have, and how we responded to our environment. Traumatic experiences. greatest contributor to the development. I can't. Are we finished reading that for me? I'm sorry. I'll just start cracking up. The second greatest contributor to the development of mental strongholds is traumatic experiences. These experiences have been burned into our minds suddenly due to their intensity. Such trauma could include rape, divorce, and death. Alright, Carrie, C and D. Temptation begins with a seed thought in our minds, and unless we take our thoughts captive, we will eventually allow them to lead us to sin. If we don't take that first thought or habit, if we don't take that first thought captive in obedience to Christ, we will respond emotionally to our thoughts. Our feelings and are primarily a product of our thought life. If we continue to act on that choice, we will establish a habit in about six weeks. If the habit persists, a stronghold will develop in our minds, becoming evident in our temperaments and the way we live. Alright, so what's that section saying to you all? against the Lord of God, if I keep thinking and thinking, then 
God is going to create a stronghold, and sooner or later it's going to be birthed in sin. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think that a lot of it, a lot of the ways that strongholds are developed mm-hmm. are through experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, like it says, something traumatic. So you develop a, a fear. You might develop a false sense of God wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might think, okay, everybody in church is a certain way. Um, you start doing something, you do it once, then you do it again and again and again, and all of a sudden it overtakes you as a habit. And um, so I, I think that a lot of it is just just in the way, you know, I mean, we're in a fallen world, there's going to be temptation when we give into it, and, you know, when we think about more about how pleasing that might seem to us at the moment, instead of how displeasing it would be to God, so then, you know, it just starts with the thought that you're, like, thinking about it, and then you're pondering it, and then you're desiring it, you know, it just snowballs, and then you just, you know, and sometimes you think, oh, well, I'm only going to do it this once, I'm just going to try. And then, all of a sudden, it can just sneak up and consume you. Mm-hmm. And the thing with temptation is, we have to remember, the Bible says, He makes a way out of every temptation. Mm-hmm. So we're without excuse. If you're being tempted, there's things, temptation is not the sin. Mm-hmm. It's the habit. It's, yeah. It's, the it's once you get, give into it. Once you give into temptation, sin is birth. Sin always brings destruction. Sin will always lead you away from God. Because it, 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 it inflames the flesh. It inflames the old nature. That which you're to be dead to. Because now you're alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. So when you're being tempted, when things are being presented to you that you know does not honor God, you have to trust the fact that the Word of God is true. He makes a way out of every temptation. You choose to sin. No one forces you to. You choose to. You choose to at that moment when it's being presented to you to say, That's, that pleases me more than God, so I'll give myself to that. This will become my God basically what we're saying. That whatever it is before us, we're choosing to be enslaved to it. And we freely give ourselves to it. But you have to remember, no, you freely giving yourself to Christ. That's your position. You're in Christ. You are a child of God. And so things will always try to present themselves to you to challenge your identity. But you have got to push back and go, that's not for me any longer. I once was, I once could have, but I'm not now. Because that's not who I am now. I don't have to partake of that. I don't have to give myself to that. God, I thank you even now for making a way out. For reminding me that you make a way out of every temptation. And you just begin to live out scripture. I think that if we're going, like I underline parts out of every paragraph there, but if we're going to like talk like personal application I was able to go through and think about 
um, certain sins that I know in my past have been prevalent in my life. And I'm pretty sure that everyone could go around and think about um, areas of sin in their life, whether they are um, things that, you know, that you still, you know, have issues with and that you're still walking through or things that, you know, you have complete victory over now. But um, I think each and every one of those, you can go back and you can either put it in category A or category B. And mm -hmm. they all come back, well, was it, did it come from some sort of experience, a prevailing experience? Because those are two very different scenarios. Mm -hmm. to you know, and, I, and you can kind of, people can kind of try to lump them all together, but they're, they're not. They're very, very different. And a prevailing experience is the traumatic experience is almost some, almost to the point where you can almost take that many times you are a victim in that traumatic experience. Not every time, but almost every time you could be a victim. So you have to be careful, Not number one, not to stay in that victim mentality because the victim mentality will keep you enslaved in a way different way for the rest of your life. But you can also enter into sin because of that victim mentality. People who have been abused sexually, physically, you know, they enter into types of sexual sin and perversion many times. Or people who have been abused will turn around and become abusers, you know, because it's a, like a learned behavior type of thing. But then there's that prevailing experience, and I, you know, I, I cannot relate um, to be. I, you know, there's not really, I haven't had some type of traumatic experience um, per se in my life, when, especially when I was younger, but there were a lot of prevailing experiences that I was able to go through and when I was really spending some time and, and really pinpointing. And if you haven't done that, I would suggest that you do. Go back and really see areas of your life that you know have been strongholds and whether you can put it in category A or category B and really trace it back it can be a, kind of a painful thing if you've never done that, but especially in the one with prevailing experiences, um, because even down to like um, behavior traits, you know, or insecurities, you know, the way that why do you act the way that you do, you know, or why you know why did you parent the way that you did, or why do you, why are you the type of why do you have the type of personality that you do, you know, or or think you know and. Like when it comes to, you know, do you, do you have issues with having a bad mouth or, you know, are you a negative person or, you know, are your insecurities always, you know, are they, are you always bound by insecurities or, you know, are you always shooting off at the mouth or, you know, whatever it is. And so I would, for me, that was, a, it was kind of a really difficult section in that I, I really took it personally and, and going back and going what were the experiences in my life that I can go back and go it was because of those experiences that led because I never did anything with them I just let them I just let them define who I was so no it wasn't the temptation that the sin but I like what it said here halfway down in habit is where I started underlining it says if we continue to act on that choice we will establish habit. It's that continual act. You know, 
one time, two times, three times. You know, now I'm just choosing that behavior over and over again. And it's beginning to shape my personality. It's beginning to shape who I am. And now I'm just coming, becoming an, a habitual whatever. And, and, but the thing is, what really bothers me is when people then take that sin characteristic in their life and then they just want to blame it on whatever that was. Well, you don't know what I went through. You don't know this. You don't know that. But Rob said something in the message on Sunday. I'm probably not going to quote it really good. I tried to capture it in the notes. I can, like, I'm visualizing the notes. I can kind of point to where it was in the notes. That's going to be now. But it's, it was something to the fact that, um, basically, he was saying something like, it does, these things don't continue to define him anymore. You know, it's not, you know, the, these, choi these choices aren't continuing to define me anymore. My past doesn't continue to define me anymore. I forget, I even forget what the context was, but anyway, he, he used it in the message on Sunday. But it just reminds me of that, because sometimes we can do that. So. Well, I was thinking about the, um, <clears throat> the prevailing one, too, and, you know, and the way we grow up, and, and you know, the way, especially in, in the religious realm, if you will, um, we grow up on Catholic one Sunday, and then Baptist the next Sunday, it was kind of confusing. But... I think from there is where we get our perception of who God is mm -hmm. and who, you know, I can I, mean, I can only speak for myself and to where I got to a point where my perception of him was like, look, man, I just, I, I don't need to deal with you. I need to go. Because obviously I'm never going to make the mark, make the mark, make the mark. Now somebody else may have got it differently um, in the prevailing realm there. And the traumatic realm can, all, can often dovetail off of that because if something happens that's, Um, that's when the blaming of God comes in because at that point it's like you're already you've already got this concept of who He is or this mindset as what's used in here who He is and now this has happened so you could have this this ladder of issues you know one from each one from each one from each going back and forth back and forth which where you have to when you finally learn who He is it's sometimes hard for you to grasp it because it's like, well, wait a second. That's not what I got back here in my formative years, you know, if you will, um, to where I'm at now. So I gotta take a I gotta take a few figure this out and then wrap your head around it and that's when the old habits kick in when you're thinking, Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it and then all of a sudden it's like I'm having no habit, no habit. You know, it's like you, you stumble, if you will, like we talked about just a few minutes ago. So I think that and all of this, I think the inventory, for lack of a better word, is, it, I mean, I give it on a little piece of paper, but the inventory that we do with this, it is something that can you walk, when you walk through it, it is kind of, it opens up stuff, but it also exposes it and then it also releases it to where it's like, you know, I suggest people do it with somebody, you know, if you're going to do that, if it's something really traumatic or really aggravating with the prevailing years and that, but that habit thing, you know, it's the same thing if you can do like the I cans or you can learn those scriptures and keep those in your head the same way you can kind of fight that 
with for myself. That's what I have to do. I mean, you know, I know you posted things up at the house when you were staying with me. Well, I'm doing the same thing now. I mean, it's like it's got to be visual to me to where I've really taken this by the horns, if you will, and, and run with it. And when one of these things kick in, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa stop, stop, stop. Look down your, your visor and look at what it says here. You're, you're, you're doing this and that. And then you can reverse that. It's almost like doing a complete brain change, if you will. But I think your perception of God can start in this prevailing experience and then can really be distorted if anything traumatic does kick in. And sometimes that does happen. It's, it's, it's a good reminder, um, you know, every one of us, all men and women, all of us who are born into this sinful nature, which all of us are because we're all born sinners, you know, we're born a complete rebellion towards God, you know, there's nothing in us, you know, desiring God in and of ourselves. That's why it's so beautiful when the Bible says that He begins this work in us. Like He's pleased to reveal Himself to you through Jesus. He calls us to Himself. He begins this work in us. He first loved us. There was never a day that you woke up and said, Oh, I'll think today I love God. In and of yourself, you wouldn't think that way. But God begins this work in us. God calls us to Himself. And in that, as we come to know Him, as we surrender our lives to Him, see, we have to remember that. Especially when we're dealing with temptation, especially when we're walking through traumatic experiences or those prevailing experiences, that we remember that these experiences that we've had, they all happened in the past. And I don't, I could choose to allow them to define me, but why would I? I would rather give them to Christ. I would rather give them to Him. I'd rather bring all of that into obedience before Him and, and through Him. I'd like to be able to be able to, you know, you know, genuinely give those to Him and not, and not try to hold on to them. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I used to always, who am I now? If I'm not to act this way, if I'm not to do this, and if I'm not to do that, then who am I? Because I don't know who I am. I know what I would do, but teach me. And that's the attitude we have to have daily. Like, we know how we would react. We know what we would do. We know what has happened to us. But let me, come, let me say this. One thing I learned years ago is that nothing that I had ever or you have ever endured would ever compare to what he endured. That's right the cross and I love the fact that we have this picture through God's word where he we know we, we serve a God who understands this nature this old nature that's why he came to free us from it this is the message of freedom those things don't have to define us those things we can you know, come to grips with as we surrender them to Him. I give you my hurt, I give you my pain, I give you the abuse that I endured. I give you all of this. I give you the neglect, I give you all my insecurities, I give you all of it. Because I know by giving this to you, what I'm going to receive in return, man, nothing can compare to it. 
the wholeness, the healing, to be able to walk in life, you know, differently, you know, to be able to have a sound mind, to be able to, to just exist in a way that we can live as people who are content in a broken, fallen world. Like, this world doesn't have to define us any longer. Like, He defines us. He's our identity now. And what keeps us in bondage into the past, into the thoughts of the past, is because we keep that closed. We keep His Word closed. We're not growing in His Word. We're not opening it up. We're not seeking His truth. Just as much effort as I put in living the old way, I have to put just as much effort into living the new way. Just as much as you sit around angry and secure. Think about the number of hours that you that have been wasted because you've dwelt on your insecurities. Think about the, the, the hours and the years wasted because of what was done to you. Think of the hurt and the pain that you've caused others because you thought you had a right to. Think about that. Think about the wasted years. And Jesus goes, why are you there? Like, I have so much more for you over here if you could just give that to me. You're not that person anymore. Trust me. That's what it boils down to. But we have to got to get to know Him. We've got to be in a relationship with Him. We have to open up His Word. Because how are we going to bring that thoughts captive if we don't know that it's contrary to His truth? We see that a lot in the church today. You've got a church who has a watered-down gospel. That there's no power in what Christ has accomplished for the church. Because we identify so much with our sin. And now we're expecting our sin to be okay among the church. And it can't be. We're to be a holy people. We're to be a people who are set apart. We're to be a people who have been engrafted into His kingdom. And that we're living differently. But we have to get into His Word. We have to abide in Him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can what? Do nothing. nothing. You can choose to go live your old ways. You can choose to go and be like a dog that returns to its vomit. You can choose. He loves you enough. To say, go. If that's what you want, go. But that will never satisfy you. But I love you enough. If that's what you want, go. But in the end, you settled for that. Because listen, we all have one thing in common. We're dying. These bodies are decaying. Death is a coming. Along with Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a day where we're going to, you know, if we're still around, you go before us, we're going to be standing over you. That's awkward. You know? Death will come. And death comes quickly. But as Christians, we don't have to fear death. And I love when Scripture says that. That He came to set people free from the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid to die. 
Because when you've come to Christ, guess what you've done already? Uh, you died. You died already. You've died to this world. Death doesn't, the Bible says, death doesn't have power over you anymore. Sin doesn't have power over you anymore. Sin and death are defeated. So we've already died. So this temporal body is going, but praise be to God, we have an eternal life in Christ. Or you can choose not and have an eternal life apart from Him in a tormenting hell. And so that's why you will always hear me say, why would we choose His wrath over His love? Because we want to fill the temporalness of this life to give us value. Yeah, it doesn't make sense when you really think about it. When you really just sit down and say, God, all that you've done for us. And he's done that from the beginning with his people. He reveals himself to them. They gather. They get excited for a season and they fall away from him. He reminds them. I'm God. I love you with an everlasting love. Come back to me. And they come back, and just for a season, and then the temporalness of life, they get caught back up in it. That's why his love endures forever. He is constantly revealing himself. And now, through Christ Jesus, listen, he has, he has accomplished everything. His love has been made known to all creation. And there's a day he's returning. And the Bible says that even in the last days, men, created men and women, will still raise their fists and say, you're not God. When hell is hitting the surf left and right, when chaos is running amok, when you realize that this earth is going to get, going to get even more violent, the love of many is going to grow cold. People are going to get more ruthless. It's going to get crazy. And it's escalating. And it all has to come before his return. And you see the, how the, the, the world is, is going. But as Christians, we're not to be overwhelmed. We're not to be, we're not to be caught up in it. We're to look at it and go... This is when we ought to be burning bright. People have got to start seeing each of you live a life that reflects Jesus. A life that just doesn't ha 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 with them or just pats them on their back, but a life that reflects Jesus. This is there is hope, there is victory. That there is one who came to set the captives free. That we're not enticed by the things that have enslaved us any longer. And they see that hope. Because that's our job now. That's what's been given to us. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And go tell others what God has done in your life. And how he's changed you. How he has transformed you. And share with them the ways and the steps to freedom. Love on them. Walk with them. Encourage them. But don't get entangled in their sin with them. 
Let them see a difference. Let them see a difference. Renewed mind. You got something? Yeah, um, I was watching, because uh, I was trying to find a channel at the hospital for Puff, and it ended up on the world news thing. And that young man, that young kid, that missionary that survived it, and his face is all, you know, bandaged mm -hmm. up. He's all bandaged up because he took the run of it, and I guess his two friends were killed. Um, but the peace that this young man has about his faith, and even his mom and dad mentioned his faith on TV too, and he is actually reassuring them, and I'm like, the worst of the worst, he hasn't taken the bandages off yet. And he's like, it's everything's going to be, no matter what happens, it's okay, because, and it was almost like he was sharing, you know, a little bit, and the parents did too, and then, um, you know, I had, the, I had the opportunity today to witness to a young man at the college. He came in from the theater area, and, you know, our theater is very well known, you know, nationwide, and, uh, Young black man, and my, my screensaver is the uh, the woman that's got you know the blood on. She's leaning on the cross with the lion of Judah, looking at the, the warrior. Um, and uh, he said, "Well, that's a nice." He said, "That's a nice screensaver." And I said, "Thank you." And I said, uh, "I think he's getting ready to come back, you know, a little sooner than he had. He had Nobody knows the day or the hour." And I was excited when I was talking. And this young man was just in tears. Mm. He said, "I, I left." theater to come get because the key wasn't ready and I was annoyed when he came in <laughs> I was like really can you not come one day and I was like did you get an email saying it was done and he said no but they sent you an email and I go well, of course they did they have to I'm like okay well let me check and I still was very nice about it. And that's when I went to check he said something about the screens because that two two screens and you can see them and it's pretty big size screens and uh it just sparked the conversation. I don't even know what we talked about. We talked about God, I mean, together. And his eyes teared up. And in our theater department, there's many different people, many different cultures, many, you know, gay, doesn't matter, whatever. Um, he said, I left the theater to walk over here. And said, I've gotten so far from you, I need some. And he walks in, and it was just the screen saying, He's pretty high up over there. And he said, my God, I needed this today. He said, thank you so much. He said, I have a lot for you to, will you keep me in prayer? And I said, sure. And I told him about here. Praying for a while, school to people. Um, and yet it was just, it was so God, because I don't even remember what we talked about, being honest with you, but I do know it was about 15 minutes. And he took the key, and he, I said, oh, I have one. One was already in there. Usually have to cut them. I'm like, oh, I have an extra. There's one here, which really caught me off guard. And I was like, okay. And uh, but it's that, you know, it was still that little flesh thing. That kind of, mm -hmm. it's Friday. Why are you coming here? I haven't cut your key yet. And I knew I hadn't cut your keys because I'd done all of them Wednesday. And yet it was like, you know, I knew God had changed my attitude. But it took Him saying something about the screen. And
comes to fools and stuff. But he really, he's, he just, you know, I don't know what he meant by that statement. But the world is getting darker. And that's one of the things we talked about, you know, some of the things that he reminded and he knows. But so I'm sure he's got a praying mom or grandmother somewhere there or something. So mm -hmm. if you just keep him in prayer. Mm -hmm. Let's look at some more examples of strongholds. Carrie, would you read those? Strongholds are habitual thought patterns. They are caused by memory traces burned into our minds over time or by the intensity of traumatic experiences. Consider the following examples. Inferiority. When we continue to strive for the elusive acceptance that never comes, we begin to struggle with a sense of inferiority because there will always be someone who is stronger, smarter, or better looking than we are. Homosexuality. There are those who are caught in the stronghold of homosexuality. I'm sorry. Those who are caught in the stronghold of homosexuality weren't born that way. Because of the fall. A person can be genetically predisposed to certain strengths and weaknesses, but that does not make a person homosexual from birth. Homosexuality is a false identity with which we have labeled ourselves or others. Alcoholism. Adult children of alcoholics tend to struggle with this, with this stronghold. Suppose three boys were raised by a father who became addicted to alcohol. The older boy tried to stand up to dad. The middle boy accommodated him, while the youngest was terrorized. Twenty years later, when these boys are confronted with a hostile situation, how will they respond? The older one will fight, the middle one will accommodate, and the younger one will run and hide. Those are mental strongholds. You know, and I think if you've been around me, you've heard me say this before, it's interesting that the very things that have set out to destroy our lives, or we've seen destroy the lives of others that we love, are the very things, if we're not careful, we go to. Thinking somehow, some way, they're not going to harm us like they've harmed them. You see... Children of alcoholics becoming alcoholics, drug addicts becoming drug addicts, you know, sexual sin running amok, being handed down, you know, bad attitudes, insecurities, you know, anxiety, all of it, you know, we can just all give ourselves to it if, if that's what we choose. If we choose to allow these strongholds to keep us captive, but the Bible says that he's given us the weapon of our warfare to demolish these strongholds, to do away with them. I mean, the majority of my life, the majority of my life, I thought I was a gay man. I was born this way. This is who I was. And in that, then, the majority of my life, being told that God hates you. God hates you. You're a faggot. God hates you. You're damned to hell. You're a faggot. God hates you. And hearing that over and over and over and over and over. Being teased in elementary school. Oh, you're gay. You're gay. You're gay. You're a girl. My own grandmother called me Robin. Every summer I went up there. My dad's mom. You're a girl. You're Robin. And that's what she would call me all summer long. So my whole life, ever since a kid, a kid, 
being told, this is who you are, this is how God feels towards you. There's only one, my grandfather was the only one, that when he took me aside would read the Bible to me. You know, and Jesus was my grandfather's best friend. That's how I always looked at it. Like I was so happy to get out of the house of my crazy grandmother, you know, just to go be with my grandfather. And he would take me over to the church. And I remember at sometimes, even as a little kid, going into the church because I knew that Jesus hated me. Because I knew what I was feeling inside. You know. And I knew the abuse that was going on with, that was happening to me. You know. And being introduced to sexual sin at such an early age. And then just running with it. And then all of a sudden, years of being conditioned, of hating Jesus, of being in the occult, of just being full of such brokenness and brokenness and brokenness, that all of a sudden he steps into my life. As I was taking pills to kill myself. I hear today you'll live. And my first response was my hands over my head. Like, oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. And then he began this relationship with me. And all of a sudden, it was just growing. And it's a continual process that he does in us. And so that's why it's vital, you all, that we realize strongholds, no matter how they've been established in your life, that the truth of God's word demolishes them. Demolishes them. You don't have to be controlled by what was done to you or by what you've chosen. You can choose this day whom you're going to serve. Every day you get up, throughout your day, choose whom you're going to serve. And live it. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't following Jesus. I know where I would be. I would be right back where I was. I would be right back up in the club or... Probably wouldn't be in the club too old now, but... I would I would be, you know. If I would still have been with Rich, I would be a very wealthy man and probably having a very successful business somewhere and enjoying life. Well, my house in Maine that we were building. Yeah. I mean I know where I would be. If I was choosing to live, I know where I would be. I wouldn't be here. You know? This isn't where my predisposition, me, as a person, would would choose to be. But because of Christ, I laid my life down. I said, God, my life is not my own. I belong to you now. I want to follow you. I want to love you with my whole heart. I want to serve you. Like no greater love has ever been displayed Except the love that you have shown me. And that's what transforms us. 
It's a choice. I wasn't forced. He didn't force me. He revealed himself to me in that revelation. He said, Rob, what are you going to do with it? It's your choice, Norma. And he came knocking on the door. It's your choice. He began to work in you. You know? Same with you, Bill. The same with you, Carrie. Same with you, Yvette. The same with you, too. Like, he's begun to work in you. And all he's saying is, just trust me. I've got your life in my hands. Trust me. I have so much more for you than what this world could offer, what you think you are in this world. Like, repent of your sins. See, too many times we make excuses for our strongholds. Too many times we let, we just play off sin. But the Bible is very clear about repentance. You should have a godly sorrow. Like, you should be like, oh, God. Like, forgive me. Like, I'm sorry. I see how disgusting that attitude is, that insecurity, that, 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 that addiction or whatever. Like, I see it for what it is. Oh, God, I'm sorry. You have a godly sorrow, not a worldly sorrow. Like, oop, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm only sorry because I got caught. Oh, I'm sorry, God. And we really don't mean it. God is not pleased with that. He knows your heart. We've seen it as we're studying Scripture. He knows the heart. He knows when we are sincere. We can't play Him. He's not, like, he's not like man that we can manipulate him and play him. Oh, he knows. So that's why when you stand before him, he'll either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. Or he'll say, no, no, no. Depart from me, you worker of sin. You worker of iniquity. I don't know you. We're not in relationship, he'll say. You chose not to love me. So you don't get the benefit. No, you're spending an eternity apart from me. You're going to experience such utter hell because that's what you chose. Instead of receiving my love and loving me, that's what you chose. So that's why daily we live a life to honor him. That's why daily we live a life to please Him. That's why daily we don't let strongholds, we don't let thoughts, we don't let all this stuff running amok that's trying to define us, define us. That's why I told you. Like, that's why I had to keep asking Him, who am I then? If I'm not to live this way, if I'm not to do this, if this is not what is supposed to be what's driving me, then what drives me now? Sometimes I look back and I think, wow, God. The transformation that you do in each of our lives. You know, Rich used to look at me, this guy that I was with, in the midst of this. He saw this transformation take place. He used to say to me, Rob, I can't compare to this God. He's going to take you away from me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fight for you. I'll give you the world, Rob. But I can't give you what he's giving you. Like, you're changing. Like, you're a different man. Like, I don't even... You're becoming a better man. Like, I don't even know what's happening to you. And he would weep. 
I don't know how to fight for you. I'm losing you. See, that's what it should be like. The enemy of your soul should be able to say, I'm losing you. Your flesh. I always use the example of a tapeworm. You know what a tapeworm is, Ari? It's a worm that grows in your intestines. And it, it grows at just as big as your intestines. I have one. Oh, yeah. And usually if you have one, they, they eat all the nutrients that your body's supposed to receive. And so you stay very skinny. <laughs> If this is a tapeworm, <laughs> as I say, I call it Ed. <laughs> and they live in your intestines. And they have these, you should look it up on Google it later. It's disgusting. And Google it one coming out. Anyways, it's very painful. Because their, their legs are almost like razor sharp, if you would. And they dig their claws. It's a worm. And they dig into your intestines and they try to hold on. But as they're being passed through, they're ripping at everything, trying to just to hold on to feed off of whatever the nutrients that you're putting into your body. It's by, um, you can get it by meat. Raw meat. Um, raw meat, bologna, like um, bacteria. Bacteria, different things. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I always say that 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 thing is that's like the flesh. It just it just clings to you and it tries to to hold on and to pull and to suck the very life out of you. But you got to pass it. You got to get up from it. You got to get up and say no. You you, you don't you don't own me anymore. You're not feeding off of me anymore. I'm not giving in to what you what you want me to do anymore. You know, you got to start establishing things. Like, I want to start honoring God. I, I want to tear down these strongholds with His truth. I want to know Him. Like, listen, y'all, no one's going to love you like Jesus. No one, no man, no woman, no... Nowadays, a woman, I read an article, married a rock. <laughs> Women having sex with dogs. Men having sex with goats. I mean, people are demanding their rights to do what they want. Yeah, you should read this article. This woman married a rock and said it's the best relationship she's ever had. Uh-huh, he's on channel two. I said, I can't. This is the world. Well, he couldn't object. Yeah, yeah. I really. They didn't write this is, for nothing. Listen, it's getting out of control. No, it's really sad. But think about that level of stronghold. Ariana's dying back there. Think about that, Ari. Don't go... Huh? Problem solved. You can have a rock. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. But it's get, think about that level of stronghold. Think about the stronghold of the man who's go, who's been arrested for having sex with goats, and he's demanding his right to have sex with his goats. Think about the strongholds there that that poor man is dealing with. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is the way. This is the stuff that's happening out there. 
people are going to the extreme of stuff. Such a demonic stuff. Yeah. Think about think about the, the, the murder rates that are going on. Think about they just the youth are just killing each other and they don't even it doesn't even phase them. The hardness of men and women. You know, people sitting in restaurants and all of a sudden people are storming in with guns and robbing and just the craziness. The rapes, the, the sex industry, you think of all the craziness that's going on, but all of these are developed by strongholds. And that's why, you know, we have to recognize we wrestle not with flesh and blood. The Bible's very clear. We wrestle with the principalities and the rulers and the air of the darkness. And then we, then we got to be careful to think that, listen, spiritual warfare is real. But you better realize, <laughs> your house better be in order. Because you can't go gaining victory when you're living a life that is not pleasing to God. When you're not honoring God. And the truth isn't in you. They will beat you down. But the Bible, a true Christian knows that greater is he that is within us than he that is within this world. We can stand upright in a crooked world. We can be the light. We can go forth. That's why I challenge y'all to get out there and live. Get out there and burn bright. Get out there and serve others. Love others. My heart broke for that woman. And these, that man and that other woman with the dogs. I was no different than them. They were bound, they're bound in perversion. I was bound in perversion. I said the emptiness and the, sh- and the, and the, 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 the hardness and just where their mind must be. And I go, God. I go, if you could deliver me, God, you could deliver them. You know? I go, God, have mercy. When you see the crazy stuff that's going on, that's why y'all have got to burn bright out there. It's tough. With family members, with friends, with people that you're meeting. Listen, being a Christian is not going to be popular. A true Christian. These weird Christians who call themselves Christians, but they can just be whatever they want, that's not a Christian. Don't be deceived by that. No truth. No truth, know what a Christian is, so that you're not deceived by others who are just calling themselves Christian. There's a lot of people who are just saying Jesus' name, but they're not following Jesus. And that's been that way since the beginning. Jesus has not moved because you can say his name. It's the obedience that counts. And so, you're not going to be popular among the religious crowd, over the world. But remember what Jesus says, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. We just have to realize our position in Christ and in this world. You're going to be hated. Not everybody's going to be pleased by your life. Even though you do good, people will not be pleased by it. But strongholds are vital. Don't, don't take this lesson and not let it impact your life. Because something, something is ruling over you. If not Christ, something is. And their strongholds. 
It's a pattern of thinking that's contrary to God's truth. So if you don't know his truth, you're going to remain enslaved to these thoughts that run rampant in your head that then from those thoughts you choose to act. Remember, it's a choice. You can't blame your mama and you can't blame your daddy and you can't blame cousin so-so and you can't blame this or that or whoever or the government. It's you. That's right. You're responsible. And it's not your father's sins. It's not your mother's sins. It's you. It's your choice. It's your choice. Every day. What goes on here is leading you. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, as you think, so you go. So I've got to get this, you all. As you think, so you're living. As you think, so you're living. Careful what you think. Careful how you think. Careful what you're thinking upon. Careful what you're allowing yourself to be entertained by. Careful. Because it'll just take one glimpse one little foothold. Give the enemy that much and he's got you. Give sin that much it has you and it'll destroy you. Remember the body that only knows to die so it feasts off the junk of this world to kill you quicker. But as believers, we don't have to feast off that junk. We're already dead. <laughs> oh, praise God. We're already dead. So we're not, we're not influenced by this stuff in the world any longer. We go, no. No. I don't have to be insecure. I don't have to give in to that. I don't have to do that. Because I'm whole in Christ. Jesus, my Lord. I will obey Him. I will get to know Him. I will honor Him. I'm not going to live a life that will grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to open up His Word. I want to know His How am I to live now? He transforms us by renewing our minds. Taking these strongholds and demolishing them. Don't go after them. Number one, knowing that people have certain mindsets because of their upbringing, how might this help or hinder your witness to them? I think that, um, well, let's just say it's someone that had a negative experience with someone in church, with a Christian. They might, you know, be like, oh, already have a preconceived notion so that might hinder you being able to talk to them. But then again, in a way, it could actually help you because if you're living your life differently than like ones that he's had negative experience with, and if your life is, is different, then that could actually help you. You know, like, well, you're not like the other people that I've met, you're not like the other Christians that I've met, or just, you know, like for example, um, so I think that 
you know, a lot of times people already, they have a preconceived notion. They have a preconceived notion of what church is going to be like, what Christians are going to be like, what God is like, you know, and um, so I think that, yes, in a way that can hinder, but then if you're living differently, it can also help you. You know, like to be able to witness if they see something different than what they were expecting. Since people are in bondage to the lies they have believed, what hope could you extend to them? Freedom in Christ and this renewed mind. I mean, if you really think about the gospel that you hear preached, did you? When you really think and you look at Christian lives that are out there, you don't hear this much. Everyone is still demanding their rights to live however they want in church. In church, people get offended if a standard is raised up to honor God. People get offended in church. When you, when you lay out spiritual disciplines that one must have, when you talk about maturing as Christians, people are bored, people are tired in church. We want the church to entertain us, and if you don't entertain, entertain us, then we don't want to come. We want church to do for us, but yet the church was not meant to do for us. The church, we're to be the church and to do life together, not seek out a a form, if you would, of religion, but that each of us have a vital part to play in the church. We have a role to to do in the church. Each of us need to be active in the church. Living your life, expressing Christ to others. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. We're not called to to go be entertained. We're not called to, you know, just bless me, God, and do for me, God. It's a lifestyle of who you're becoming and who you are in Christ. And this is the hope that we have, this renewed mind to be able to share with them. Like God desires to transform you. Well, and I think in part number two, where it says that um, people are in bondage to the lies that they have believed, one thing that you can, when, when sharing with people, to let them know that, that there's freedom beyond the limits that they have established. Mm-hmm. Like, when there's these bondages, or these limits that people have set, it's helping people realize, and it's not yourself, through the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit, that these these limits and these boundaries that they have set, like they can't, mentally they can't go any farther, it's, they've set them themselves. Mm-hmm. And they think that, you know, it's the world or it's this or they, they can't go any farther or it's just their circumstances or, or it's this absolute truth that is there. And so they can't cross that line. But showing them that, no, you know, this is, this is just... This is a fence that you put up. Hmm. That the power of Christ shatters that that wall or that fence, and you know you can um, move forward in that. Amen.
Why don't all Christians think the same? Because of A and B from the previous page. We've all had different prevailing and traumatic experiences. I mean, I listed them all, but basically that was my answer. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? God just made us all uniquely, too. Mm -hmm. We've all gone through different experiences. We've all sat in different churches. We've all heard different teachings. We've all, you know, have, have taken on a form, if you would, of religion. But when we truly understand the power of Christ, when we truly understand the gospel, when we truly have understood the, the truth of God's word, then we all should be doing the same thing, taking thoughts captive, allowing him to renew our minds, to demolishing these strongholds, because truth of God's word is, can't change. It is what it is. And He is who He is. And our thoughts and our strongholds should not be defining Him and trying to make Him be someone that He's not. No, we have to receive Him and come to Him for who He is. And in that, it's a beautiful expression of laying our lives down as He laid His. So how do mental strongholds develop? Well, I took my answer from the previous page where it says traumatic experiences being burned into our minds. Mm -hmm. Share an example of how believing a lie has affected how people feel about God or someone else. And can you give a personal example? The biggest example that stuck out to me, like this one wasn't some, this one, I have a personal example that I also wrote down, but the biggest example that I think prevails in our society today that people hold on to, um, that they throw on to God, is that all fathers leave. Mm. Because that we live in a generation of, of, not every father, but it's a common theme that fathers abandon their children. And so a lot of people grow up and they throw that onto God. Well, you know, if my father left me, then my earthly father left me, then God's going to leave me too. And so, I, you know, but that wasn't my personal experiences, but that is a lie that affects how people believe. My personal one, I don't mind sharing, is that um, God reacts um, with disappointment the same way that humans act. So when I disappoint a human, the way that they treat me is the way that God is going to treat me. So that was my, that was, that's something that I myself have thrown on to God. The one I shared is that said that they see him as one who only condemns instead of the one who really offers salvation and love. So many times we can see God as just an angry God. He's only condemning me. He's only going to send me to hell. Instead of realizing, no, wait a minute, like he has done everything to save you. He has done everything to express his love for you. Like, no, his will is that none should perish. His will is that no one would turn from him, that they would come to him through his son Jesus. There's no greater love than this, you know. It's beautiful. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that was huge for me after I just shared a little bit ago about hearing my whole life how much God hated me. How much God hated me. And then 
to be loved by him. It's amazing. You know? So to truly think of the lie that, you know, that he's only, he's just this angry God, he's just condemning us. No. No, he, he, he loves us. But in that, we've got to receive that love. And we have to repent. We have to turn from our sin. We have to turn from the very nature that rebels against him and be born again into this nature that loves him. I mean, think about that, you all. He gives us everything we need to live a godly life, to live a life that loves Him in return, instead of rebelling against Him. That's beautiful, man. So how can Christians stand up against temptation? Well, I put our theme that we say all the time around here, taking every thought captive. That was my biggest one. Mm-hmm. I think reminding yourself that God has provided a way out of every temptation. Mm-hmm. You know, like just using the truth that you know about God. Mm-hmm. Why must we choose to believe what God says is true, even when it doesn't feel true? This would be the theme of my life. Because it's true. Because it's truth, right? Our feelings are deceptive. Mm-hmm. God never changes, and His truth is always a strong tower. Then mm. explain why born again believers may not feel mm-hmm. saved, or that God, or that God loves them. Well, because it's feelings again, mm-hmm. you know, and then we have the habit of putting on human character putting human character characteristics on God. Mm-hmm. You know, when he tells us you're clothed with righteousness, you know, we clothe clothe him in the garments of, of man. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we just have this misconstrued picture of him. Yeah. Remember what I've said to you all, if you're not in his word, if you're not having fellowship, if you're not being discipled, if you're not growing, you're not going to get to know him. So when lies are presented to you about him, you're going to believe them. Mm-hmm. Because you're not taking, what are you going to take thoughts captive? Of? What, how are you going to take that thought captive and bring it into obedience of his lordship over you? See, that's why you have to be in relationship with him. You have to desire to get to know him. Because listen, lies are going to be presented to you left and right, left and right, left and right. It's a continual fight for your soul. That's why the Bible says that, you know, to remain alert, to be prayerful, to be steadfast, to persevere, to be alert that your enemy is roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, he's throwing, he's shooting his arrows at you. The flesh is trying to to war against your very new nature, but you have to we have to remind yourself: No, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be one that's rebelling against God. I'm not living out of that nature. I can choose not to. I can turn from this, and you can look and truly see God for who He is. Like God, the creator of heaven and earth, loves you. 
he's getting your attention. He wants you to know how uh, much he loves you. Then in return to love him back and to say, yes, God, I'm not going to believe a lie about you. I'm not going to believe in, in, in things that are presented to me that gives me the right to myself. Because I know if I live for myself, I know where I'm going. I'm not going to abide with I'm not going to abide in you. Because in myself, that's not fun. In myself, that's not satisfying. Myself will only crave the things of this world. Myself will be continue to be lured back to the things of this world. That's why when Christians fall, that's why when Christians, we hear about Christians, you know, falling back into their old ways, we shouldn't be shocked. Like, we're all like, oh, how can that be? They were so, you know, well, because they took their eyes off of him. They allowed strongholds to be established. They went right back to their old ways. Listen, the only way you know how to live apart from God is how who you were. So don't be shocked when the old lady or the old man is knocking at your heart going, come this way. It's all you know. That's why you have to choose. No. I've laid my life down. I'm loving my God with all of my heart. Remember the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body. Love Him. It's beautiful. But taking thoughts captive. When I was thinking about this question and when when we are saved, the Bible says that God gives us a new heart. Mm-hmm. But the Bible doesn't say that He gives us a new mind. What the Bible says is that we now have the mind of Christ. So in order to have the mind of Christ, we have to have a renewed mind. And we have to have a transformed heart. So a lot of times I think people would expect, oh, well, I, you know, I have the, had this salvation experience, and then, but you have the same body, you have the same feelings, you have the same emotions, you, know, you have the same circumstances, you have the same job, you have the same bank account, you have the same family, you have the same, you know, everything, and the same pressures of, of life, but in, it's in that renewing of the mind, and it's in that newness of heart, that is where you see that transformation. And, you know, one thing that has really stuck out to me um, that through these last few sermons that we have had is that that's how, the, um, that's how people were known in the first church, was by a transformed life. That's how, you, that's how they were known as believers, was by a transformed life. And what Rob was just saying about like when you see people that are in the public eye who and these are people that maybe you have a lot of respect for or worship leaders or pastors or that you maybe even own their CDs and you hear things um, like I was guilty of this like last three days ago or something I haven't said anything yet but um, I heard on a talk show that I watch about a, a prominent Christian artist that we all love and is in a relationship with, you know, just started a new relationship with someone who um, will speak religion out of their mouth, but the lifestyle that they live is not a godly lifestyle. 
and I learned things about this artist. I didn't know that they were divorced. I didn't know that they were seeing someone else, you know, and all, and I was shocked and I was a little heartbroken. And, I've, you know, there's probably a lot of CDs in this house from that person. And I was just, I was really saddened. And I remember I was driving to work and I was just like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, you got, I mean, it just took, it just hit me out of left field. And then I was like, okay, well, just what, just what Rob said, like, you know, I feel convicted for the way I felt, you know, because I'm like, he's a man, you know, who, you know, I don't know every circumstances, I just know what I heard, you know, I just know what was, what was said on, on the talk show that I was watching, yes, it broke my heart, but I don't know every circumstance, but I also know, if he's taking his eyes off the Lord, you know, my first instinct should have not been to get mad, it should have been to pray for him. And, like, just standing here right now, I'm like, I hear the Holy Spirit go, did you ever even stop once to pray for him? No, you got, you got pissed, basically. And, and yeah, I was, I was really upset, because I really like this guy. And, but he's no different than any one of us standing in this room. He's just famous. And I'm just, you know, we, we should all be broken for each other, and holding each other accountable, because there, before the grace of God have gone us all and could go us all again so you know we really do we have to be careful yeah. alright so Ari go to Romans chapter 8 for me Alexis find Ephesians 1 for me let me know when you're there and up carry you go to Philippians 4 so these are scriptures that the lesson gives us to maybe throughout this upcoming week to go to and to meditate on um, and to kind of read through them and remember that's the whole point and when you're opening up God's word you know to be able to meditate on it not just to continue to go back to it pray through it allow these scriptures to really minister to you and ask yourself how am I to live now from what these scriptures are saying So do you have Romans 8 yet? Okay, Romans 8, verse 31 through 39, nice and loud for me. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dare accuse us when God has chosen for his own no one for God himself has given us right standing with himself who then will condemn us no one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us mm. can anything ever separate us from Christ's love does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute, mm -hmm. or in anger, or danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life 
neither angels nor demons, neither our fears or for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Alright, Alexis, Ephesians chapter 1. And then verses 1 through 19. Is this right? Yes. Mm -hmm. so one, one through 19. Read aloud, these are good ones. Okay. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus mm -hmm. and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in the beloved, in the beloved, sorry. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made us known to, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of, of the times we might gather together one all things in Christ, both we are which we both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he that we who first trusted in Christ should be the place of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, for the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the wisdom of, to the praise of his glory, prayer by spiritual wisdom. Therefore I also, after... I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all our saints. Chapter 2. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The, not, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Amen. And then Philippians 4, 12, and 13. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or with empty, oh, not funny, or with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. So the big question for next session, consider the following question. How can Satan deceive you? 
and we're going to go into the battlefield for the mind. Mm -hmm. Alright, so let me close with this last song. And after this song, uh, Gilda, would you close us in prayer?
we still even, we're not here, Lord, but you knew that we would be, Father. So I thank you, Lord. And I just pray that our family members that don't know you will come to know you, Lord God. I pray that we would live lights of lights that burn brightly for you, Lord God, and that they would see a difference in us, Lord God. I pray that we would be steadfast, Lord, and Father, I just pray that you would um, help us to be willing vessels, Lord God, and just help us to stay um, focused upon you. Maybe may we not be overrun or overtaken by circumstances, Lord God. May we remember in every temptation that you have provided a way out, Lord. May we replace thoughts that um, are against you or the lies that the enemy is telling us. And, strongholds in our mind, Lord God, with the mind of Christ, Lord, with your truth. So, Father, I just thank you and um, pray that you would be with us, Lord, and um, that we would have an awesome Easter celebration. In Jesus' name. Again, I just want to encourage you all. This is a lifestyle now. You're a Christian. Take thoughts captive. Don't let strongholds be established. Remember, he's giving you the weapons of your warfare to demolish these strongholds. You don't have to remain ignorant of the things of God. You can choose to, but you don't have to. So get in his word. Abide in him. Learn from him. And put into practice what you're learning. And then as you're putting in, as you're applying these truths, you'll begin to see a difference in you. The way you think, the way you act, the way you feel, you know? Because mm -hmm. you're, be, be, you're being defined by His truth. And it's the truth that sets you free. Mm -hmm. And that's how you maintain freedom. It's by remaining in truth. So get in the Word. Mm -hmm. Study. Come expecting when we gather to learn. Remember, the word says not just be hearers of the word. You have to be a doer. So let's go and do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sunday's coming. Oh, yeah, it's only Friday, Norma. Saturday has to come first. Sunday.